0: So, quite a bit of news uh, happened yesterday as far as the NFL. I I don't really know why. I would love to be able to delve into conspiracy theories, but I know that this stuff happens. And I'm sure there's a reason, and I am just not smart enough to figure out the real reason. I am definitely smart enough to think of a conspiracy theory, but again, I'll leave that alone. But there are these certain uh, unspoken dates in which there are just flurries. And yesterday was one of those days. So the Packers kicked it off on Thursday... Apparently the Packers are—you could say a little early. I'm going to say they're trendsetters. Whatever, choose your own words, your own adverbs. I—I don't—I don't know, man. I never, ever, ever paid attention in English. Worst class ever, the worst. Chemistry was also really, really unfortunate. That was hard. Hated it. Just—they're just making stuff up in chemistry. Like that doesn't make. What are you talking about? You can't show me anything. Like, trust me, it's there, and then when this happens, this happens. The why? I don't know, it just does. This touches this, and then it freaks out. You just have to remember everything and how things react. When no, I'm not doing that. You're dumb. Get away from me. Chemistry. Stupid. Class. What were we talking about? Trendsetters, right. So yesterday, everybody else followed suit and cut everybody. And it's uh, it's kind of awesome for several reasons. In some, you know, For one, a lot of our competition lost players... Secondly, there's now a flood of players that are available for the Green Bay Packers to consider, and so that's kind of what I want to talk about for the most part. We'll see how far they... In fact, you know what? I think, I think I do want to make that the whole episode. I'm kind of easing into this thing where on weekends, I want to make them a little bit shorter days because the listenership really plummets, and with there being less news, I just feel like it's appropriate to maybe cut it down a little bit, but we'll see how it goes. If it takes 45 minutes to talk about it, it'll be 45 minutes, but I'm just saying, we're going to cut it there. But anyways, basically what today is, is talking about all the news from yesterday, and there was a lot. Otherwise, I would greatly appreciate it if you would join the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Like the Packernet, not Fackernet. It's with a P, Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Facebook does have an F, though. See, I paid good enough attention in English to know how to spell a couple words, so... Takes me a couple tries to figure out how Packernet's spelled, but I get it eventually leaving an iTunes review whether that be on iTunes, Stitcher, Podchaser, whatever, anywhere you can find one uh, would be very very greatly appreciated. Again, I don't really think it helps the al- algorithm whatsoever. If it did, I wouldn't be buried beneath the shows on iTunes that don't exist anymore. iTunes is making no effort to actually put together a list that makes sense. But what it does do, uh, aside from, you know, stroking my ego, is when people are looking for shows if they're I mean, Maybe they're, they don't care either, but if they're looking at reviews, you know, if, if this one has a lot of reviews and a lot of high reviews, which my show does more so than I think any Packer show out there, I know not as many reviews as a couple, but there's not anybody with as many reviews as me or more that has five stars as I do. So it is officially the highest rated show with, I think, anyone over 100 reviews. I think Blue 58 is kind of, they're, they're at or near 100, and I think they have about five stars too. It's a good show. What am I? Ta- this is what happens when I sleep in. I'm just talking about whatever. I cannot stay focused today. And then finally, uh, the, the final way to support the show would be on Patreon, which is a way to support the show financially, and you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month. If you're able and you appreciate the endeavors, it is how I uh, afford to... Pay for things like a PFF subscription, which is 200 bucks, a Game Pass subscription, which is another 100 bucks. I've got both track and Over the Cap subscriptions. I've got an Athletic subscription, and I use a lot of these things to be able to give insights and in-depth analysis. Like yesterday, when I'm looking at snap counts, that was Pro Football Focus. If I want to go back and look at a player, I use Game Pass. All the um, detailed information about the contracts, I use either Track or Over the Cap, depending on what I'm doing. Um, I've got ESPN Plus. So a lot of different things that I delve into, as, uh, and I'm really only able to do that because of the support that I get. And so again, if, if you appreciate the work, consider giving a buck or whatever you can give would be appreciated. Special shout out to Brian, by the way, for jumping in on Patreon. Appreciate the support, my man. That brings us up to 108, by the way. So we're really just 17 people away. If we have 17 people out there listening that think they can give uh, as little as a buck, That'll get us to uh, 125 supporters. If we get there, I will do a Pro Football Focus subscription giveaway. Otherwise, like I said, I'm going to do a giveaway every month. So even if we don't get to it, I still want to be able to reward the people that are supporting me. And so what I'm going to do is give a um, a draft guide away. I don't know which one. I'll, I'll figure it out as we get closer. Haven't really researched them at all. I know a few that exist, but we'll see. But either way, there's, there's there, are, there are giveaways every month. And speaking of... The February giveaway was the winner gets to design their very own t-shirt. That finished yesterday. So I actually, if you check the Packernet Podcast uh, merch store, there's a link in the description, you should be able to see the new shirt. I will be posting, I'll be sure to try to remember. (laughs) I got to rephrase that. I have to be sure to try to remember, because I will probably forget, to put that all over social media. But um, he was able to come up with a concept and a design. I went out, paid to have that design, slapped on a T-shirt, and uh, I also have to remember to ship that out to him today. So a lot of good stuff going on, man. Anyways, uh, why don't we take a break, and we'll get into some stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com/packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com/packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Today's show is sponsored by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real sports fans. They've got thorough, in-depth coverage from local writers on every team, plus national writers you know like Jay Glazier, Mike Sando, and Michael Lombardi. They're setting a new standard for sports news. They've got no ads, no pop-ups, no clickbait. Just great sports writing that tells the story behind the story. With your subscription to The Athletic, you're going to get their complete library of written, audio, and video content. You're going to get full access to all sports teams, cities, writers, whatever it is you would like to subscribe to, you can, and then you get that updated right on your app. So if you're interested in trying it out and are looking for a deal, right now you can go to theathletic.com slash overtime to get 40% off a yearly subscription. That's theathletic.com slash overtime. So I've already talked about how I'm not going to be talking about the whole corona thing, but let's just get something out of the way really fast. Because I got to say, I'm kind of impressed. It was probably like two days ago when I was really kind of upset because, as probably most of you are, I'm old enough to remember 9-11. And as horrible as that was, the one nice thing is everybody, for the most part, there were some bad things that happened. For the most part, it was a lot of good. It was the the time in which the people kind of came together, which was a a pretty rare thing. Even pre-social media, people just didn't like people. And I remember thinking probably like two days ago that that's never going to happen again. Social media is so toxic and everything. I just, we we can never experience that again. But I'm kind of seeing little glimmers of it. For example, we've seen tweets such as uh, Kevin Love and Giannis whatever, as well as Panthers goalie Sergei whatever, have each pledged $100,000 of their money to support arena workers whose earnings are impacted by the current league shutdowns. Now, of course, this isn't good enough for most people who still want to angrily tweet things because they're just unreachable and inconsolable, and they need to just pollute and toxify every single thing they touch. But if you just don't read the comments filled with angry, hateful people, that's a good thing. That was followed up by another tweet that said, Zion Williamson just posted this message on his Instagram. He says he is covering the salaries for all Smoothie King Center workers for the next 30 days. I had to look that up. I guess that's a New Orleans arena Again, don't read the comments because people are horrible, but then just just little stuff. People do tend to be taking this fairly well. You still have some people panicking, trying to stir up controversy, making everything about politics, saying we're all going to die or whatever kind of nonsense that people just can't help themselves from doing. But if you look hard enough, you're starting to see people actually reach out and be human beings and care about other people, people that are offering to babysit, you know, if you're off of work and you're not getting any sick time or or your kids are out of school and you don't know what to do i'll watch your kids if you need some basic necessities i got some just just little tiny glimmers of people that still remember how to be decent and it's kind of refreshing now you have to shut twitter down entirely because that is 95 percent toxic which i think that number comes down if you get away from sports twitter because it seems like Maybe I'm wrong about that, but sports writers in particular, have a very low threshold for the ability to just shut their mouth once in a while. They just can't stop and then sports fans, especially you know and that, that's it there's a lot of teenagers and it's it's almost a rite of passage. you're not actually a teenager, especially a guy teenager, if you don't just spit vitriolic nonsense twenty four seven That's what I was like as a teenager. I was just a jerk. The thing is I didn't have social media, so I just talked to my friends and it was funny, and you just you know I mean you don't say it out in public just make little jokes and it's funny and you don't tell people about the jokes because we find it funny the public doesn't find it funny that's fine but now apparently the cool thing for teenagers to do is to tell everybody they're not funny jokes and then tell everyone it's not a joke and you know i actually hate people and it's 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 dark but the point is you look hard enough and people are starting to become human beings or i should say human beings are kind of stepping out of their from behind the shadows and saying hey just so you know I'll, I'll help people out and then they just disappear again because they don't want to hang out with you know this garbage i'm just pointing to my monitor as there's hundreds of comments about just garbage but anyways round of applause to the growing number of good things that i'm starting to see and by the way one one tiny little tidbit everything being shut down it's not because things are terrible We're not shutting everything down because everybody's infected and sick and dying and there's a massive plague. No, we're shutting down and sacrificing as individuals, as a country, to help keep people safe. The act of shutting everything down in and of itself is an act of people being human beings. We're all sacrificing a little bit for the greater good. It's just just kind of a nice thing if you think about it. Rather than sitting back and panicking and freaking out and feeling like the world's going to end because guess what? Spoiler alert, it's not. Just just, just look around. Things are pretty good. and sir, Just stay off Twitter, look in a couple other areas. You'll be surprised with how good things are. And if you're not old enough to remember 9-11, you've literally never seen it, so I'm going to tell you that you have to go look for it. Because this is probably the first time in your life you've ever seen it on a large scale. You've seen good individuals. You know, Grandma was nice, and this guy did a nice thing over there. I'm talking about a society as a whole actually coming to c- together and caring about people, regardless of who they vote for or what they look like or whatever. And you might never see it again, so please go try to find some. It's very, very refreshing. So anyways, it's very cool to see that, um, some of these guys stepping up, and again, just caring about people. They don't have to do that. It's their money. They have no obligation to to pay people's salaries, but they're choosing to do it. And I'm not going to act like they have an obligation because they're rich, because they don't. They have zero obligation. They're doing it out of the goodness of their heart because they're just great people. And we just need to just accept that that's what it is and be happy about it. Try it out, please. All right, so let's rapid fire through a couple of these things. What we'll do is we'll do the non-NFC North teams, take a break, and then we'll look at the NFC North updates. Uh, One of the bigger bits of information, the Bengals have released left tackle Cordy Glenn. Cordy Glenn was a very long-time, very, very, very talented tackle for the Buffalo Bills. It's somewhat unfortunate for the Bengals because they're, they're at least one of the teams that is in the running for worst offensive line in all of football. And despite Glenn, you know, I hate to say he's grading out lower and lower because he's been injured so much, but we'll get to that. Despite him being not a great tackle at this point, he is by far the best football player that they have along that offensive line. I think the biggest thing is he's 30 years old and he's he's never on the field. Now the bigger question a lot of Packer fans are going to have is, is it worth a flyer? And again, same situation. This guy's a 30 year old tackle. Why would you exchange a 30 year old tackle for a 30 year old tackle? Just in general. Even if he wasn't hurt all the time, even if he was, you know, a slightly bit higher grade via PFF, it's just never going to be worth it. Brian Balaga has familiarity with the system. He's 30 years old and he's been healthy. People say he's hurt all the time. When was the last time the guy was out for an extended period of time? And then compare that to other 30-year-old tackles. Because every one I've brought up so far has been injured a lot more than Brian Balaga. Every other tackle that's 30-plus that I've talked about has spent a lot. Cordy Glenn didn't even take a single snaps till week 12. Over the last several years, he played 291 snaps. 2018, he played 700 snaps. In, 200, in 2017, another 200 snaps. In 2016, 600 snaps. He hasn't played 1,000 snaps since 2015. Tackles get banged up. So if anyone's wondering, no. And uh, the Bengals are just... See, and th- this is this is one of the things that I think teams need to, to understand. And, and I, I get that when you have a franchise quarterback, you have to take them. But so many of these teams that are taking quarterbacks have no offensive line, which should be a base level. Like, if you don't have an offensive line, you shouldn't be touching quarterback. Again, this is a slightly separate situation when you have the number one overall pick. You kind of have to. But this is a nightmare. Joe Burrow is going to get butchered absolutely butchered behind that offensive line and so quick passing game if you can't build up this offensive line you've got a running back that's talented you better load up on wide receivers and tight end and get that ball out fast is unbelievable how bad that offensive line is but that was that was one the chargers also had a flurry of action they released linebacker thomas davis which again anytime you see tackle linebacker defensive tackle packer fans ears perk up Right off the bat, it should be noted that Thomas Davis is 37 years old. I mean, not quite, but he's he's right there. He'll be 37 by the time the season starts. So, just, no. I mean, he's not the worst linebacker in the history of the world, but, I mean, my goodness. No. Never. Sorry. Chargers also released defensive tackle Brandon Meebane. Meebane is 35 years old. Meebane has not really been a very good football player, I mean looking at his grades he his first year with the Chargers in 2016 was really solid but we're talking very very I mean he's he's a very limited guy. He's he's not he's not a high rep high snap kind of guy, he's a rotational guy, but he's he's never been that good and again, 35 years old, so no thank you to Brandon Meebane. And then the final bit of news, this has been pretty well established but occasionally you still get people wondering and people are still going to wonder, but the Chargers did officially franchise Hunter Henry. So the idea that they wouldn't pay him and they'd let him walk and we'd be able to pay him let that go. Now some people are still going to say, "Well, you could franchise and trade him." We're not going to trade for him. What do you want you want to give up a first-round pick for? No. First round and pay him and that's if they just it's not the Chargers aren't giving him up. We're not going to pay him. You got to let it go. You just have to. I'm sorry. Another guy that was on the the hearts and minds of a couple fans just because he's a big-name, good football player that's possibly available. But Yannick Ngakwe, he was hanging out there. Uh, the Jaguars also franchised him. Again, could possibly trade, but it's, I don't, I mean, no, that's not going to happen. So we can scratch him off whatever list you might have had him on. Jaguars are trying to hang on to whatever semblance of a defense that they used to have by uh, paying massive amount of money to Yannick Ngakwe. That brings us to the Tennessee Titans that have been extremely active over the last two days. They officially released running back Dion Lewis. I'm sure there are at least a couple Packer fans that are eyebrows perked up. The fact of the matter is this guy had one good year with New England, and that's it. He made bank with Tennessee after his one good year with New England. Never really did all that much with Tennessee. Beyond that, he's 30 years old, and I think the bigger issue here is the real question is do you pay running backs big money? If you're willing to do it, you pay Aaron Jones to stick around. You pay Jamal to stick around. You just leave it as is. If you're not, then what in the world are you paying 30-year-old Dion Lewis a, a, a stack of money for? Who's not? I don't even think he's as he's as good as Jamal. He would be number three in our rotate. It's just it's it's silly. So again, if that's on your list, please take it off your list. Beyond that, I know some people were curious about Derrick Henry. I would be entirely all out on that as well because exact same reason. If you're gonna pay a running back, pay the guy that we already have. I'm not willing to pay Derrick Henry. Way too often we've seen guys that are like the big name running back. He's so good, and the next year it's somebody. Sometimes it's multiple running backs in a year. Derrick Henry wasn't the man at running back until halfway through 2019, and guess what? He's probably not going to be the man in 2020. It constantly changes. These guys they they have good years or good half years. They make a billion dollars and they do nothing. Now just just go down the list. Of guys who have been like, this is the guy. There's nobody better. Bah 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 As soon as they get that pile of money, there's nothing. David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Dion Lu- or uh, Derrick Henry. But this time, right? Oh yeah, this this time it's he's gonna be the best forever. No, he's not. Anyways, seems like we're not gonna have the opportunity to make that mistake. Not that we would anyways, because the Titans apparently are ready to pony up. I think the Titans recognize and I, and I'll. Give them a slight pass on this because he really is their only hope. That team is not anything right now. Still a bad decision, but I'll I'll give him a pass. Later on that day, they released Cameron Wake. I just, I don't understand that guy. I mean, he he is still a very, nobody even talks about him. Nobody talks about Cameron Wake. He is a dominant football player. People act like the guy hasn't done anything. And granted, his sack numbers are down, but if you just look at sack numbers, you're not going to be very satisfied. He had 31 pressures on 181 attempts. That is a 17% pressure rate. That is one of the highest in the entire NFL. I think Zadarius was just barely above that. Barely. So, based on pressures, at 38 years old, he was one of the best pass rushers in all of football. Now, he didn't play all that much. He only played 195 snaps, which, again, you know, the guy's 38 Literally all three of his sacks came in week one, meaning he had zero sacks the entire year. So I I understand it, but the guy is still an absolute phenom. If somebody is in dire straits at edge rusher and you're, you know, needing a little bit of help and you're willing to just kind of, you know, limit his snaps, similar to what we did with Clay and, and the rest of those guys as they got older, you can still get a lot of production out of him beyond impressed and by the way since his rookie year the worst year he ever had was 2017 with Miami his overall grade was a 75 he had a 15.7 percent pressure rate and 11 sacks that year that was that was according to PFF his worst year (laughs) now he's never been good against the run that's always been he's 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 not helpful against the run but as a strictly a pass rusher he's been one of the best in football since 2009 when which, which was his rookie year I I don't know. I'm I'm not saying I want him. I just want to tip the cap to him because he's beyond impressive and gets no respect. It's almost like we stopped talking, or like 2015, we just stopped talking about him. Like, nah, whatever. I picked a random date, but it's still, it's like nobody, nobody cares anymore. And, and And I, I care. He's a freak. Titans also released Ryan Suckup. their kicker. We don't need a kicker. So that doesn't super matter other than the Titans are certainly going through some stuff. And that brings us to the one that most people are questioning which was yesterday the Titans released Delaney Walker. Now I've mentioned Delaney Walker. It was a while ago that I talked about Delaney. It's um it's not gonna be anybody's favorite pickup. The guy's thirty five years old. We've been down this road a thousand times. He's also been injured the last two years in a row. So I would guess not only are the Packers not really interested, but there's not gonna be a huge amount of interest in Delaney Walker. With that said, and granted this wasn't a a great I mean how how can you even assess seven weeks, not even six weeks. This wasn't his greatest ever, but 2014 through 2018, the guy was just a solid, solid tight end. I know 2018 he hardly played, so if you want to say 14 through 17. I mean, look, he's a talented guy. The other issue, though, is, and I I mentioned this before when I was looking at how long it takes for tight ends to kind of pick it up, this guy was mediocre at best from 2006 through 2013. Eight years of mediocrity, and all of a sudden he just explodes with Tennessee. Now there's the familiarity with Lafleur. There's all these reasons you could point to for maybe why, and he's been good in the past. But I mean, he's he's 35. He's going on 36 years old, and he hasn't played significant snaps since 2017. So I just, I just no, no thank you. I, I think it's it's similar to Jimmy Graham. If if it had been a different era, a different year all about it give the man the bag but it's just it's not a thing that i'm super interested in mostly because of the injuries but also because i don't know if he can really play that well anymore because we haven't seen it because he's been injured all the time and he's going on 36 so then that brings us to the chicago bears which is an nfc north team meaning we got to take a break we'll be right back because the bears the lions and the vikings have all done some things in the last days So with the Chicago Bears, there have been a couple different things that have happened. Number one is that the Bears did re-sign Danny Trevathan to a three-year contract. I mentioned before how the Bears are in trouble because they have a lot of people they have to figure out who they want to sign and don't sign. Danny Trevathan was one of them. And this, like everybody else, they're in that situation where there are no really great answers. Again, what you typically want to do is find... Oh my goodness. Did they get the wrong pick? Danny Trevathan is Rashawn Gary. Go look at Danny Trevathan's picture and tell me that's not Rashawn Gary. That's 100% Rashawn Gary. He's even got the same glasses. That's freaky. Anyways, ideally what you do, as we've discussed, is you build out talent through the draft. You keep getting these guys so that when you get a Danny Trevathan who's 30 years old, isn't playing entire seasons due to injury, and has pretty much been relegated to being fairly mediocre, it's time to move on. Now, I, I shouldn't necessarily. I don't know that he's mediocre. Maybe it was just a down year, and then he got hurt. I don't know. But he's very up and down. Again, you you get different styles of of players when you look at these PFF grades long enough. You know, you get some guys that are just good all the time. Some guys it takes a couple years, and then they're good. Some guys are you know they have like one year that's good. Danny is one of the guys where it's terrible year, really good year, terrible year, really good year, terrible year, good year, and then a second good year, and then a terrible year. That's been his his thing but as you get to be 30 some years old you kind of start to see a little bit more bad years than good years. you start to see more injuries like he's had several just looking at snap counts i mean for a linebacker if you're an every down linebacker you're playing a thousand snaps he's played a thousand snaps twice he's been close to a thousand snaps in 2015 he played 888 2017 714 otherwise 500s 200s and once under 100 so he's got some injury issues six round pick 30 years old injury issues coming off a down year in which he was injured, and you offered him a three-year contract. Part of the reason is because you've got him, you've got Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski's the exact same way. Good year, terrible year. Good year, terrible year. Good year, terrible year. So they decided they don't want to pay Kwiatkowski. They'd rather play Danny, pay Danny Trevaith. And this is going to be a three-year deal worth $21.75 million, so about $7 million a year average. $14 million in guarantees roughly means he's playing at least two of these three years. Maybe not quite, depending on how big a signing bonus is. But, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of immediate. It, it's, it's an I-don't-care kind of situation. Danny Trevathan is not necessarily keeping me up at night. Would I rather them lose Danny Trevathan? Maybe. Because then they'd be in dire straits defensively. On the other hand, when teams make financial decisions that aren't necessarily prudent, in other words, let's just pretend they had drafted well enough to have a linebacker waiting in the wings that was younger and qualified, Danny Trevathan would be long gone they would not be paying 7 million dollars a year for Danny Trevathan. So I'm I'm fine with it. Especially if Roquan continues to not grow. And again, everyone's in the media etc is talking about how Roquan is a great. He's not a good linebacker. He might become one. He's been terrible. So, you know, the other concern is if they lose Kwiatkowski, a big part of the reason Kudkowski was so valuable to the Bears is because Trevathan and Roquan were both hurt last year. So they're they're losing some pretty quality depth. Anyways, they've also tendered Roy Robertson Harris, so Roy Robertson is also going to be getting paid. He um, He's another guy that I think is getting a little bit more credit because of how good of a year he had, especially against the Packers. He completely single-handedly wrecked the Packers in week one, which was weird because it's like, dude, this guy's not that good. Um, so this one I'm, I'm relatively happy about. I mean, they're not going to let him walk anyways at 26 years old, but... What we're essentially seeing is the pack or the Bears having to expend resources to keep mediocre guys, which their salary cap is not actually all that bad as of right now. We'll see what kind of an impact this has. I don't know exactly how much Danny's getting in year one, probably not a ton, but eventually these things will be updated and we'll see what kind of an impact that has. And again, really, this this doesn't matter all that much. Teams are never going to be in a situation where they can't play because they can't get their salary cap in order. The question is, how good of a team can you construct? And that's where the Bears are really struggling. Because they, they have to pay to keep their guys. There's not a ton of money sitting out there. They do have they do have a lot, as of right now, according to Track, after some moving things around, apparently. I don't even remember exactly. What, I think one person retires. Somehow they're up to $24 million. So they, they've freed up a lot of space recently. But again, their complete inability to do anything in the draft because they gave away all their draft picks. That's really the big story here. Every year you're going to get guys that are getting older. You're going to get guys that are losing talent losing ability you're getting closer and closer to a quarterback disaster and the question is are you moving forward or are you going backwards and there's no question what the situation is i mean the bears right now we'll see what they're they do as free agency kicks off i'm guessing they're going to do something i really hope it's andy dalton because again that's just spending money on something that doesn't really fix a problem might be a little bit better than trubisky but that does not solve a problem in fact that if I may tangent for a moment, that would almost make me a little bit happy because there's still a tiny part of me that that is worried Mitch Trubisky becomes a good quarterback. And if you can bring Dalton in, and with the defense not being terrible, but not being what they were, being good enough, and having Allen Robinson and Dalton combination, Allen Robinson probably gets a little bit better. And so your team isn't really good, but they're not terrible. I, I I want them to be just good enough that they don't get a really high pick and get a good quarterback but not good enough that they're actually a threat, which is pretty much what they were last year. Last year is fine. If they just lose out to the Packers, are still a threat to the Vikings and the Lions to help us in the division, and then have no capacity whatsoever of drafting, you know, Trevor Lawrence or whoever, Justin Fields or whatever that guy's name is. Perfect scenario. 2019 Bears are the perfect version of the Bears. Just keep that up. Keep keep the status quo going, folks. That brings us then to the Detroit Lions. As it turns out, Rick Wagner was just released. This comes two days after it was reported that Graham Glasgow is probably not going to return to the Lions. He was a very recent addition to the Lions. And, I mean, the Lions have never really been one of the worst offensive lines in football. But this thing has fallen apart rapidly. You had Lang just leave recently. Glasgow filled in that spot. He's about to leave. And now you've got Decker... I'm sorry, Wagner, who granted is not the best football player on the planet, but you lose him? Let, let me put something else out there for you. It's not impossible. And I still, I don't even super get the Wagner. I mean, he had a down year, but he's been pretty solid. They must just think he completely fell off a cliff. Considering how good some of these tackles are, especially if it's possible the Lions trade back, they may be getting a tackle in this draft. They have lost a lot of talent along this offensive line to the point where if Glasgow and Wagner do leave, they have got holes at, at both guard positions and nobody at right tackle. I would not at all be surprised if they take a tackle. I understand they could easily take Isaiah Simmons, Jeff Okuda. Those would be great pick. Probably can lock it in, but especially if they trade back. But even if they don't, I would not be surprised if they end up taking one of these tackles. Now, the question would be, what about Rick Wagner? My answer would be, I've already answered that 700 times. He's 30 years old. He's not as good as Balaga. So why? Now, the other question you could ask is, well, what about Graham Glasgow? The the only issue I have with that, aside from the, his presumably pretty high price tag, is the fact that we paid Billy Turner. Now, if you were to tell me that Billy Turner's going out to right tackle, which is a an idea that makes me sick to my stomach, then yeah, let's let's go ahead and... Why are they getting rid of the guy? He's not that bad. He's pretty decent. He's better than Billy Turner, I can promise you that. If If I didn't super care about appearances... And if I felt I could get out of the Billy Turner contract, which I don't think I can, I would be happy to pay Graham and let Billy just kind of sit as a backup. Because I don't care about pride or any of that stuff. I just want to build a good football team. And uh, Mr. Glasgow gave up zero sacks, five hits, and 20 hurries for a grand total of 25 total pressures. Only had three penalties. He's only 27 years old. I'm sure the Packers aren't interested because I, I tend to believe they really, really like Billy Turner. I don't know why. But, um... I mean, again, if it turns out we get rid of Balaga and are moving Billy Turner out there, I'm gonna cry. But then I would almost insist we gotta at least look into it and see how much the guy's gonna cost. I mean, he's a guard. It's not like guards cost that much money for crying out loud. And we do have Lane Taylor. But then we have to keep. We have to officially. We can't get rid of him. Not that I want to. Just saying. It's these are answering some of those questions for us. Also, we gotta gotta do something. Suppose we could draft a tackle. Not that I super love that idea, but we might have to. I just I don't want Billy Turner. If I, if we have to have Billy Turner on the team, at least make him the right guard. It's the position I care least about. He's still a massive liability that's going to get Rogers killed. But you know that was a that was a rough pickup, man. Anyways, finally that brings us to the Vikings, where there was the the most that happened, and it was probably the most positive because the Vikings just cut everybody, which they needed to do at some point because the money situation was getting tight. So the the lesser of these that we would care about is the fact that they cut tight end um, David Morgan. The guy literally didn't even play in 2019, so I guess who cares? However, what is much more interesting is the fact that they released Xavier Rhodes, which was definitely expected. The guy was going to cost a lot of money and is one of the worst in football. However, fact of the matter is he's still a starter. And with him gone, somebody else has to fill the shoes of Xavier Rhodes. And so again, it's one of those positive negative things. The, the Vikings were able to free up money. Which makes me sad, but then they lost a player, which makes me happy. The bigger, somewhat surprise, although I did mention it as a possibility, is the fact that they got rid of Linval Joseph, and a lot of Packer fans are saying, dude, let's go get him. I just want to remind you of something. Again, with the whole name thing Linval Joseph 2020 is not Linval Joseph 2016. Don't get me wrong, I'm not calling him terrible, but this was a cut similar to what the Packers did when they got rid of Mike Daniels. In other words, if the if the Packers had Linval Joseph, this is a cut I could see the Packers making, which is why I don't super see them picking up Linval Joseph. It's not impossible. They do want a defensive tackle. He is still talented, but he's clearly declining, and he is 31 years old. He's going to be 32 at some point during this season. And the fact of the matter is, Linval Joseph had, similar to a lot of guys, this little tiny patch where he was just dominant. Like, he was pretty good with the Giants. He was decent his first year with Minnesota in 2014. And then 2015, 16, and 17, the guy was just an absolute monster. Then he went back down to being good, not great. For example, if we just look at his run defense grade via PFF, he had two games in the 70s. He had four games in the 50s. The rest were all 60s, which is average. So outside of two games, he was average or below average. He's not the Linval Joseph that we remember terrorizing people. Now, Again, I'm not 100% against getting getting the guy, because he can provide something, and especially along the defensive line, being next to Kenny Clark, and in between the Smiths and everything, he, he, there maybe could be a little bit of a, a boost, but I just, I don't think so. Beyond that, again, he's a nose tackle, which is what we consider um, Kenny Clark to be, so I don't know. I know we as fans see Kenny Clark and go, yeah, we can put him at defensive end, no problem. He doesn't have to be the nose tackle in this defense but the Packers seem to definitively want him to be the nose tackle. So I I don't think it's going to happen. Not super opposed to it because, again, he's still a decent player, but it feels not like something the Packers are going to do. And I'm not sure it's something that I would necessarily want to do either. Anyways, that's about it. There were other little things. Broncos did a bunch of other little tidbits here and there, but nothing I super care about. We'll keep checking it out. We'll see if there's any more of a flurry today. There's also supposed to be the CBA vote, so we'll hopefully get some kind of a conclusion on that. But otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Saturday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.